Greetings, and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in our modern world. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. This week's lesson, Does a Dog Have Buddha Nature? Please welcome Reverend Thomas Perchlick. Dedicate this to my canine friend of 13 years, a fluffy white dog who got her name from a calico cat, Checkers. Checkers had this wonderful way of relaxing, which was both she would uh, when she was very tired and especially when it was hot, she had a tendency to just roll over on her back and throw her legs out open to the whole world, her stomach open to the whole world, and she's just utterly at ease, utterly open, relaxed, peaceful, happy. Been a lot of times where I, I really needed to just lay down and throw my arms out like checkers. You've heard this expression describing someone as, having, as working like a dog. And if you've ever seen dogs pulling a sled or driving a herd, you know that they can become single-minded, they can become dedicated to work, they become very, very exhausted by the end of the day, working like a dog. Some time ago, the country band Alabama wrote a song called I'm in a Hurry. Lyrics are, I'm in a hurry to get things done. I run and run until life's no fun. All I've really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know why. The point, of course, of this song is not that he's busy to do work is good, but that he doesn't know why, the singer doesn't know why he's busy. And sometimes the dog working to please the master or please the, the pack forgets why and gets caught in the busyness, in the work, and the stress of work. In any time, we can be like Heshunt, the character in the story who wants to work hard, who wants to show that she is better than others, who wants to get things done and do them well. It's a danger to find peace. Long ago in China, the system of the philosopher Confucius had been well-developed. Everyone knew their place. And the entire society, from the emperor all the way down to the lowliest person, knew they had a place, knew they had relationships, knew they had duties. It was their, this humanness they had to fulfill. And the discipline of being a human being was heavy upon them and there was structure and order and you always knew what you were supposed to do and when you were supposed to do it and it's in that context that Cha'an Buddhism, that the Zen Buddhism developed. The Buddha spoke of an awakening of the mind. It was possible to wake up and to see all that you really needed to do to live and dying as part of living, to understand life and to see it fully and clear, clearly. And the Zen Buddhists were those who began to push against all the rules and regulations and structures of society and to summon this basic, unconscious, primal, 
awareness of peace and well-being and awakening that is present within each of us, that is part of all of us, to develop the Buddha nature, as they say. Buddha nature is in anything that is conscious, anything that is aware. It's just part of being awareness. It's not a, an extra element that's added in. It's like life. It's just something that you have because you, you are. It's being. And the Buddhists call it Buddha nature in order to say that our fundamental nature can lead us towards peace, towards this deep quality of peace and wholeness and harmony to see the world and to be awake, to be compassionate, to understand suffering in a way that does not fill us with fear and anxiety and pain, to understand struggle and change of human life in a way that is easy. And so it was that there was one Buddhist master in Japan, he's called Joshu, in China he's called Chao Cho. He was a leading Zen master. And he had, when he became about 80, he gathered together a number of students, monks, and was teaching them, passing on the lineage and understanding that he had his whole life. And the story which I got from Robert Aikens, The Gateless Gate, is that once a monk turned to Joshua and said, does a dog have a Buddha nature or not? And he, the, 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 the monk, of course, was full of all these little thoughts about what is Buddha nature and do dogs really have Buddha nature? Do they really have the ability to become awakened or are they really sort of more just things that sort of react to the circumstances around them? Do they really have any ability to become more awake or do they just sort of go along with their own nature their whole lives? They just have dog nature and then they die. And the same sort of question comes up within the Western tradition talking about souls. And there was a little article about that in the, in the Star Press a few few weeks ago, a couple, just one, one week ago, on Saturday, they asked ministers, well, there was a, one minister, Steve Huddleston of University Christian, University Christian's over here, and he said, there's, there's nothing in scripture I'm aware of that says that pets have souls or that they will go to heaven. And then he moves away from scripture and he starts talking about experience. And he says, when I used to be a youth minister, and when kids would have prayer requests for their sick pets, we would always pray for them. It's not a lot issue for a lot of people. I cried like a baby when my own dog died a few years ago. And then he speaks about God's care and attention to the smallest sparrow and the blessings of life. And then Steve went back to his doctrinal approach when he says, the promise of eternity in heaven is given to those who accept God's gift of grace through a faith-trust relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord, a relationship that animals do not have a capacity to experience. Ken Puent of College Avenue Methodist, the Methodists are kind of part of more of the liberal religious movement, speaks, spoke about being all part of the creation and the imprint and the presence of God and all our experience spiritually connected to God now and for eternity. He said human beings have a greater capacity to recognize this. And he said, you may not recognize your long-lost cat when you are in eternity, 
but the spirit of creation that brings life and love to you here on earth will have some place in the eternal plan. Evoked a more subtle notion of what soul is, of what eternity is, something beyond a conscious faith relationship with a doctrinal image. And this is what the Zen masters were trying to do, is to break people's clinging, religious clinging to certain doctrines and formulas. They were also trying to break the notion that religion was all about ritual, that if you wanted blessings in your life, you simply had to perform certain rituals, or that you had to fulfill certain duties and you were all right. The Zen masters wanted to say, no, the heart of religion, the source of the good religious life, the spiritual life, even of doing all these things, of doing good works and of doing your duty well, comes from a wordless experience of love and being. And so when the monk asked Joshu, does a a dog have Buddha nature or not, he was asking this yes, no, either or question. And he knew that if 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 the master responded, oh yes, of course, all dogs have Buddha nature because all sentient beings, this is the doctrine. Everyone knows the doctrine already. So when the monk was asking this question, he was sort of testing to see how the master was going to respond and if the master was going to come back with his, his little doctrinal answer. Yes, that's the doctrine. Dogs don't have souls. Or they do have souls. Whatever the answer would be. Of course, if he gave the other answer, which is no, then that would go against the doctrine, go against the scripture, go against the teaching, and would sort of undermine the whole structure of the relationship in a conscious sort of way. And the story is that Joshu answered Mu. Now, in Chinese, Chinese the word is Wu, and in Japanese the word is Mu, and this means nothing. The word was nothing. His response is nothing. The wonderful thing is, in English, Mu is the sound that a cow makes. And the Zen Buddhists would sort of like that, sort of nonsensical, (laughs) break-your-thinking notion. Just think of a cow relaxing and being peaceful, chewing its cud beneath a tree. Think of the dog laying on its back, its legs splayed out. Nothing. It's just what it is. It's not something you can describe. It's not Buddha nature. It's not a soul. It's just there. This quality within all beings to be at peace, to know harmony, to know wellness. Thich Nhat Hanh, the Buddhist teacher, began his book, Miracle of Mindfulness, with the story of a young man who had children in his life, a small child. And he had come to his master, it was Thich Nhat Hanh, and he'd said, I'm just feeling pulled in every direction. I'm, I'm trying to serve my wife. I'm trying to take care of my kids. I got my job. I got my, you know, my studies, whatever I'm doing. And I don't have any time for myself. And Thich Nhat Hanh looked at him and he said, it's all your time. Your life is yours. You have chosen to spend your time with a child present. You have chosen to spend some of your time at your office, but it's still your time. It is your life always. And I'll do that sometimes just in the middle of the day, doing something inane or just driving along. I'll think, this is my life. 
This is it. This is the moment that I've lived my whole life to experience. I'll try to become aware again of the wonder and the goodness, the health and wholeness that's already there, that Buddha nature, to try to strengthen the Buddha nature, to let it rise, to let it grow, to let it increase in my life. And I hope each of you find time in your days no matter how busy and stressed you feel, no matter how worried you are about where things are going with international relations and struggles in the government, I hope you will take time to breathe, to stand and stare, to recall beauty and wonder. And perhaps if we all practice hard enough, we may become as good at it as was Checkers. for listening to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolf, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening, and have a pleasant week.